Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hey, everybody, this is David from Adweek. Before we get started, I wanted to tell you about an upcoming event we have that I think uh, listeners to this show would be really excited about if you're in or around or feel like going to New York City on May 1st at the Time Center uh, 2019. Uh, we are going to be doing the Elevate Creativity, which is my favorite of our events. It's very close to my heart. It's a one-day conference, so not a big ask of your time. And we pack so much talent into this one day. So many presenters, no panels, by the way, just your favorite creative talents and case studies and brands getting up there talking about what they learned, building some of the most amazing work of the last year, two years. Uh, And this year's focus is on bridging the real and digital worlds. So we're going to be talking activations. We're going to be talking uh, AR and VR uh, and just covering so many different aspects of that uh, wonderful topic. It's already starting a lot of great conversations. We're going to have folks there from HBO uh, talking about their South by Southwest activations and a lot of their other marketing. Domino's is going to be there. Diageo, the spirits uh, company, is going to be talking about some really cool stuff they've been doing with Bullet. And uh, and then just some of the best agencies uh, in the the world are going to be there. We've got uh, RGA, Droga 5, Huge, uh, Giant Spoon, tons of different shops. Uh, Lucky General is going to be joining us, uh, who just opened a, an office in New York City. So I hope you can make it. Uh, just go to adweek.com and look for the events tab at the top there, and it makes it really easy to find Elevate Creativity on May 1st. And I hope to see you there. This week's episode is brought to you by Facebook, which has a new podcast called Three and a Half Degrees, The Power of Connection. This podcast brings some of the smartest minds in business together to talk shop, exchange ideas, and share the stories behind their successes and failures. Each episode features two of the smartest people in business today. One of the people you'll hear from in the new episode is Suzanne Gildert of Sanctuary and Kindred AI. What if we could create new kinds of brains that weren't human-like or were kind of human-like but were better? Look for Three and a Half Degrees, spelled out, wherever you get your podcasts, or visit facebook.com slash three and a half degrees to learn more and subscribe. That's Three and a Half Degrees, a new podcast from Facebook. You're listening to, yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, 
technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And we've got a um, special episode today um, because we have just learned that the Can Lions International uh, Festival of Creativity, which is kind of the Oscars of advertising, each year gives an award called the Lion of St. Mark uh, which is their Lifetime Achievement Award. They've been giving it out for eh, coming up on a decade, I think. And uh, Doug Zanger, uh, our senior editor on the agencies and creativity beats, uh, is here to tell us all about this year's honorees. Doug, let's start there. Who is it? It's Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein from Goodby Silverstein and Partners. Yes, uh, two very well-known names, uh, both as personalities uh, and their agency uh, but in a lot of ways that we're going to go into today, also very different uh, from a lot of the agencies you think of when you think of A-listers. Uh, you know, that's not to say they are not A-listers. Um, you know, looking back over our just kind of records and such uh, before uh, before this podcast, they have been our uh, U.S. Agency of the Year three times, uh, 1994, 2006, and 2007. And you know, they're not a gigantic shop. We're not talking like a BBDO or a DDB or some major global network, right, Doug? No, I mean, they're they're part of Omnicom, but they, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but they, they joined Omnicom in 1992, and there's an interesting backstory uh, to that. But no, I mean, it's it's an interesting place, which we'll, we'll also talk, you know, a little bit about, because even though they're they're part of a holding company, it... It, the vibe when you walk through the place, you know, it feels like a scrappy independent agency still. And, you know, even the times that I'd been there before, uh, you just have this sense that they're doing their own thing and they're, do, they're doing it their way. And it, it works. I mean, it seems to work very well for them. Well, the, you know, I feel like we can't let just to give some background on uh, Goodby Silverstein for for those who uh, may know the name but may not think, uh, you know, of the details right off the top of their head. You really can't talk about their creative legacy without talking about two words, right? <laughs> and a question and a question mark. What words are those, Doug? Uh, that would be got milk. Yes, a absolute one of the top three, maybe uh, slogans, campaigns in advertising history. Uh, just so you know, it's still on the walls of my kids' schools, you know, things like that. You see it everywhere. You see references to it. You see jokes about it. Uh, famously in the uh, in the 19, 2009 documentary Art and Copy, which is absolutely wonderful and this really fantastic slice of advertising kind of uh, creative renaissance leaders like uh, Goodby and Silverstein and, uh, and Lee Clow and several others are in that documentary. But, you know, they, they talk about how they keep a museum of all the or I think they stopped at some point right. <laughs> of all the of all the got milk. Uh, unpaid, <laughs> unlicensed, yeah, knockoffs. <laughs> you know, get, got weed and got, got Jesus. And, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's the that's the one piece of work everybody knows. They certainly created other things. They created an offshoot of the uh, the Budweiser Frogs called Frank and Louie that some may remember from the late nineties. Uh, the, the Budweiser Lizards. Uh, they, you know, it, but but this not. This is not one of those shops where what have you done for me lately? In fact, I would argue that Goodby is on a tear right now. Oh, jeez, um, yes. Like last year, they—I mean—they blew away everybody uh, with their Super Bowl ad. 
the uh, it, which was the lip sync uh, ad featuring uh, Peter Dinklage and Morgan Freeman, uh, Buster Rhymes, Missy Elliott uh, for it was like for a Doritos brand and for a New Mountain Dew uh, product, right? Uh, and uh, man, that just, it was. I still think about that. Ad. I still think about how perfect that ad is. Like just. Just so perfect. And then this year they had three Super Bowl ads. Only one other agency, David Miami, uh, had three Super Bowl ads this year. Now, uh, all three of theirs were for PepsiCo brands. They did Pepsi, Doritos, and Bubbly, or Buble. That's Bubbly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bub- bubbly featuring Buble. Right. <laughs> it's Buble in my heart. Um, right. And, but, I mean, yeah, they, they it's kind of nice to talk about an agency and not be like, let me explain why they used to matter. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Well, and what's I think what's interesting about them too, and I think the agency is the same. It's just you know they just kind of get on with it, right? I mean they just they just do their thing, and and uh, it's you know it's just a very uh, even keeled. I mean you know Goodby is a little bit more laid back, Silverstein's a little bit more not laid back, shall we say? Um, but I, I just. I think this agency just has a lot of self-confidence that was born from the very beginning when they founded the place. And, uh, you know, I think they, they will say themselves that they definitely don't take themselves very seriously, but they take the work very seriously. And you're right. They're on a tear. Uh, they've, they've been getting some new business and they're just doing great. I mean, they're doing really well. They were ranked, uh, first, for new business in 2018, according to R3 Consulting, uh, they brought in over 109 million in in biz in 2018. So, yeah, they're they're kind of on fire. Well, let's um, let's kind of go back to the beginning. We're going to be dedicating the today's episode to uh, Goodby Silverstein, and we're also going to be uh, listening to some of Doug's interview from his recent visit down there to talk to them. Uh, we got a bit of a head start on this, uh, finding out that they were going to be honored. Uh, it was just announced uh, today. On We're recording this on Monday. The news just came out today. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into it. All right, Doug, give us some, uh, before we get to kind of the work that everyone knows and loves, Mm -hmm. how did these two jokers get together? Well, it's funny. So Jeff is from Providence, Rhode Island, also the home of our, uh, of Adweek's uh, wonderful brand editor, Christina Monlos. We just point this out, of course. Uh, Silverstein is, Rich is from uh, upstate New York. And ironically enough, both were in journalism. And Goodby was a staffer when he was in, in college at Harvard, smart guy. Uh, he, was, he was a staffer at the Harvard Lampoon while he was there. And he then ended up working for a small daily in Massachusetts. And then Rich, um, he, was a, he was a graphic designer at Rolling Stone in the go-go days. So when Rolling Stone was on fire. So they both have a bit more of a history in journalism. Rich is you know, more of an art director, and Jeff is a wonderful writer. And it was Ogilvy where they first met. And as I'd mentioned in the piece that I wrote, and, and it's kind of funny because whenever you, you, know, you interview teams especially or people that have worked together for a long time, there's this assumption that there was some seminal moment. There was some big parting of the ocean and they both appeared and they were made for each other as an art director and a copywriter. And the fact of the matter is, in this case with Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, 
there was absolutely none of that. <laughs> so <laughs> they they met at uh, they met at Ogilvy and they were paired uh, as a writer and an art director by the San Francisco ad legend Hal Reine. And here's what they had to say about that. What were the chances that I walked into Hal Reine's office, showed my portfolio to him and Jerry Andelin, and I got to meet him? No, I didn't even meet him. Hal put me with him. That's yeah. it. That's it. It wouldn't have happened. I would uh, be a okay art director. He'd been maybe an okay writer. <laughs> no, I would have been funny. <laughs> I knew that you'd say that. I knew that. <laughs> no, that is amazing. It is. Because I, I actually had another partner there, Dennis McVeigh, at the time. And Hal suddenly just went, I got this guy I want you to work with. And I was like, And it was Billy okay. Ball. <laughs> Billy Ball baseball. And uh, I didn't care about baseball. He was fanatic. And... Um, <laughs> The rest is history. It was Billy Ball. It was. It was uh, amazing. It was and, crazy. Um, you got to thank Hal for it. So it's, I mean, it's, it's remarkable. It was just this one moment that Hal Reine, who uh, allegedly, and well, probably not allegedly, a lot of people have said, you know, wasn't the warmest person. He just, you know, basically said, I'm putting you guys together and there you go. Um, so eventually in 1983, um, both Jeff and... Rich, along with Andy Berlin, founded Goodby Berlin and Silverstein. So this was 1983. And then 10 years later, uh, Andy left to found Berlin Wright Cameron in 1993. And so in the early days, they were like any agency that was just starting out. They were just scrapping along and they were just trying to do what they can. They had one client, Electronic Arts. And what was also... I found very interesting is during this time, there were a few other agencies that we talk about ad nauseum uh, that ended up popping up within uh, within a year of when Goodby Berlin and Silverstein was founded back in 83. And here's the story behind that. So our agency was founded within a year of Widening Kennedy and Fallon Miguel Get Rice, all within 12 months. Okay. And, and all of them, within five years, were agency of the year in the big magazines, within five years. Amazing. That, well, we still had fewer huh. than 100 people. And that's that. never going to happen again. That will never happen again. Yeah. It's, it will never happen again. And the reason it happened is what you're talking about. It's because New York, I think, was fascinated with the idea of a different point of view, like coming from the other parts of the country. What's the sense of humor in Minneapolis? Yeah. What's the sense of culture in San Francisco? What, you know, it's not just New York advertising. Well, we only looked towards LA, Portland, and London. We skipped over New York. We never mm. studied New York. I mean, you know, you, you felt it, but I, I wanted to be part of the, the London the establishment. Yeah. I, I mean, we sold our a little 38%. Yeah, because of the craft in England of both writing and art direction and design. And planning. Was, and planning was so high. And um, we thought that Bozeman Simi Pollitt was the best agency in the world in what, what was that, 1988? And they wanted, and they wanted, they saw something in us and we went, oh my God. So we yeah. did look to England. It's funny, we don't talk about it much. David, did you have any idea that like all of those agencies were founded within each other? Like within no, a year of each other? Yeah, like so close together. It's, um, it makes sense in a way that there was this kind of, um, it's this unspoken era 
maybe because it doesn't have a name. Uh, you know, you've got. Uh, the the creative revolution of the 60s and 70s picking up after the Mad Men era and then kind of lost, it, you know, and then you've got the merger mania era of the 90s where a lot of agencies get formed just because they're getting smashed together. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. you know, run through this blender and meat grinder to come up with today's holding companies. Uh, but in between, you've got... You know, you've got the 80s where obviously a ton of great advertising was coming out, but a lot of it was coming out from kind of established agencies that were very corporate and very 80s in Wall Street. And then meanwhile, you know, you've got this West Coast kind of uh, I, I think a lot of the young talent that was groomed under the creative revolution of the 60s and 70s that kind of came out of school in that time are just coming into their own. And, yeah, it's, it's amazing to think of this. And I love the fact that they – just didn't really care about New York. You know, it wasn't well, I, like the, you know what? the world I, didn't revolve around it. I would say, I, I think that I would say they didn't, they didn't not care about New York. I think that they were more interested. I think the one thing that, that Rich did say um, in, in the piece that I wrote was that New York gave advertising a certain level of intelligence. But I think that where they really vibed was, and, and part of it's geography, honestly, with, with Los Angeles and Portland. But I think that they saw in the 80s this, this punk mentality happening, and they really, you know, they really connected with that. So I don't think it was a matter of um, not necessarily liking New York, but I think they just had different influences. And, and if you think about it, that's actually a, a pretty good thing, because if you look at West Coast creativity and, and actually... Some of the, two of the past winners, Dan Wyden and Lee Clower, on there. I mean, it's it's a completely different vibe from you know from what New York was in the '80s, and especially to your point, feeling a little bit more buttoned up and, and a little bit more corporate. Um, but it is interesting that that all of these agencies started started at that time, um, you know, and and they had alluded to the fact that they had started winning awards, and I know that you had mentioned Agency of the Year for for Goodby, but what was interesting is that Jeff and Rich were named Adweek Creative Directors of the Year in 1990, 92, and 94. And then you had alluded to the fact that they had been the agency of the year. But this is back when Ad, Adweek had a West Coast. We, we had a West Coast edition, right? Was that? Yeah, right, we okay. had like four zoned editions. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, but they were the West Coast Agency of the Year for three years straight, 92, 93, and 94. And... So go, going back a little bit, uh, Omnicom, so there was the stake that was bought by BMP in London. So Omnicom ended up buying that piece of it, and they had this minority stake. But in the sale to Omnicom, the, the minority stake in, in Goodby Berlin and Silverstein was part of that. So Bruce Crawford, who was then the CEO of Omnicom, he, Rich was saying, you know, the guy didn't want an agency in San Francisco, and he didn't really, you know, using air quotes here, get it about San Francisco. Uh, so he gave him the opportunity to buy themselves back. <laughs> but uh, as Rich and Jeff said, they didn't have the money. I mean, they were like, putting, you know, putting down payments on mortgages and things like that. So instead of buying themselves back, they ended up selling the rest of the stake to Omnicom in 1992. And, I, you know, and I, I don't, I should really look at this. I, I wonder if they're maybe, you know, one of the older, one of the, they must be one of the older agencies in Omnicom, I have to think. Aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the core agencies that you think of, of BBDO, DDB, I mean, those are legendary um, historical agencies, but 
yeah, there's just something about that timing that feels like, oh my God, they must be one of the originals. Yeah, so so you know, Omnicom was founded uh, as the you know basically the core at its core, it's BBDO and DDB. Uh, and then a third agency that was Needham Harper at the time. And, you know, they they were kind of this big American uh, ad goliath uh, that was coming together. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people forget about Goodby in, in that process because it, it wasn't until 93 that they bought uh, TBWA and then two years later uh, merged that with um, – with Shia Day, uh, which of course you know we we've talked about recently with Lee Clow uh, retiring and and you know they become they were Apple's uh, most famous agency. But yeah, I feel like in that discussion of TBWA and, and DDB and BBDO, you kind of forget about Goodby, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, but unforgettable work, which is what we would call a professional broadcast segue into <laughs> into 1993. <laughs> oh my God, that was so bad, uh, but so good. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so 93. This is when. Now, now this this client doesn't necessarily uh, roll off the tongue. They started working with the California Fluid Milk Processors Board. <laughs> <laughs> like, like fluid, fluid right. milk. It this, just not the cheese. No, not the cheese board. Nope, nope. it's it's uh, it's fluid milk. It does not roll off the tongue. Uh, this is where Got Milk got started, and you know you have to ask them: Did they have any idea that this was going to take off the way that it did? And here's what they had to say about that: No, no, uh, no. Yeah, no. We had a really cool insight that uh, milk was. We had two, I love to tell the story that Mike and John, who uh, the yeah. agency, they're in Sausalito now, uh, quit. Mike Shine and John, John uh, Butler. Butler. They actually quit because we were pitching milk. They were so upset. Like, what they thought we lowered we, ourselves. Yeah, lowered ourselves. Oh, it's a great story. <laughs> what can you do with that? Milk, boys, milk does a body good. So we they, had a great They said it was boring. Remember boring. That? Boring. So we, we had this insight that if you, uh, if you don't have milk, that's more interesting. It's the only time you notice it. But then Jeff did the classic cliche. I know I've said it a gazillion times. He kind of kind of writes it on a napkin type thing. And it's stupid and clumsy. And I think it's pretty awful. <laughs> it worked. Well, it didn't. You know what? It had no life in, uh, in itself. It had to be with things. You know, you had to have a story around it. And then that was the punchline. You went, oh, right, I see right. why I was watching that. And uh, that's what made it work. And, and then all our all our creatives who were working on it, who were really talented uh, and going on to do great things, yeah. hated the fact that Jeff and I insisted that one, it has a typography style. They wanted Helvetica really tiny and no audio, just quiet. And we, oh, we sold out because we were going to say, <laughs> "Got milk," and it became everything. So you have to do, you have to stick to your guns. And a lot of times we've been told that we're hacks. Well, I, 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 remember, uh, <laughs> I remember Chuck McBride coming back from the recording yeah. session with Gut Milk, and I didn't even go. But he came back and he said, uh, yeah, you know, there actually is a really good read of it. <laughs> it was, he said, I, I think it's actually going to work. <laughs> and, then, and then Eric Joyner, who's a really good des- uh, director now, he, he just hated the fact that uh, we were going to make a logo out of it. They wanted, you know, you know, like, let's not sell too hard. That's funny. Um, you know, this is a, a lucky accident, too, which was Jeff Manning, the client. Um, r- right away, people started ripping off, got this, got that, got pornography, got, you know, and, uh, and, and got Jesus. And, and he, 
you know, people said to him, are you going to sue these guys? And he said, I don't have enough money to sue them. I can't stop this. And, 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 and I said to him one day, well, you know, it's going to be open season. Everybody's going to be using it. And he went, maybe that's good. I don't know. <laughs> so I, those are great stories. You know, and I know it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we're going to talk about Got Milk again. And, you know, in conversation with them, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I explained to them. I said, you know, you're known for it, but it's, it's like a calling card. You know, you look at the entire body of work that the agency does, and it's truly phenomenal. But Got Milk is one of those calling cards, and they, they conceded. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know. But, uh, you know, it was interesting, and, and I wish that Rich had gone into a little bit more depth on this one, is the, the napkin thing. I, this is just poor reporting there. I should have pressed David. I apologize. Um, but you know a little bit more about the story about about Jeff writing this on a napkin. Tell me about that story. Yeah, I mean, what, what I love about the way that Got Milk came about, and, and as he mentioned, you know, just in passing there, is that the, you know, he, he writes it on on a napkin. He writes Got Milk, but he writes it in the middle of a, uh, if I'm remembering the story right, in the middle of a focus group, you know, where people are talking about, because of course, like he was saying, you know, they they go back and forth on all these product benefits, right, of, doing a body good and which a probably not true really like in modern modern you know food science we've kind <laughs> right. of learned that milk is not this miracle drug that we were sold as a kid um but you know people just said like yeah you really notice milk when you don't have it um and you know and i think they made some comment about like you get you really want like cookies or brownies or something and then mm-hmm. you go to the fridge and there's no milk and you're just you're just screwed and uh and that was when he wrote down uh you know and maybe some of this is apocryphal but that's when he wrote got milk and yeah i mean it's such a perfect insight it's such a good example of how you can leverage a a focus group i think a lot of times focus group data in marketing kind of gets aggregated it's just like a majority of the room said they had never heard of this, or right, seven right. out of ten you've, said that they liked focus this. Groups, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just like this. And, and what's funny is the there was a campaign that I was involved with uh, when I was at an agency, where one uh, one writer you know took note of one comment that one person in this focus group, this very long focus group, and someone made a comment that like you know, a good bank should be like, using a good bank should be like riding a bike. You don't even notice that you're doing it. You know, Mm. it doesn't feel, it feels easy like riding a bike. And he just scribbled that down. And then we launched this campaign. I had nothing to do. I'm not taking credit, but like launched this campaign of a green bicycle representing this bank and it exploded and became like this huge thing that got like tons of attention. It's probably, I think it's still going, but, but that's one where like, just goes to show, you know, just paying attention in a focus group and, and actually listening to, to the anecdotes and the weird little side comments. That's why I always think of that story. It's just such a good example of how sometimes, I mean, I'm not a big fan of focus groups, but I think they can come up with <laughs> some stellar stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting, both Jeff and Rich, they're huge proponents of not sitting at your desk and soaking in life to help inform what happens. And one of the, one of the things that they that they discussed uh, in conversation is that what they do is is art in service of capitalism. <laughs> that was one of the early that was one of the early taglines, which uh, or positioning uh, positions of the of the agency, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but also in that quick bite, did you catch some of the names like Chuck McBride and who else was in there? Uh, 
John Butler and some some of the alumni of Goodby, uh, like Lee Clow, like Dan Wyden, like anybody in this industry, there is a coaching tree. And Jerry Graff spent some time at Goodby. I mentioned Chuck McBride, uh, Jamie Barrett, who went on to found uh, Barrett SF. And then you had Fred and Fareed uh, of Fred and Fareed fame. They spent some time at Goodby as well. And then you have others that maybe didn't start their own agencies, but have gone on to really great things. Um, and they're, they're scattered all over, all over the world. So they have a very impressive um, coaching tree, as it were, of talent. And, uh, you know, you ask anybody, and, and I think this isn't necessarily just for Jeff and Rich, but you ask anybody that has had that level of impact in the industry. And the work is great. The accolades are great. Building a strong business is great. But one thing that, that always seems to light people up is when you start talking about the talent that they influenced, and they, they all pretty much say that that's something that they're most proud of. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an impressive list. Yeah, and I don't think we can go any farther without listening to one of the best ads of all time, uh, which, of course, is Aaron Burr. Uh, <laughs> this right. is the ad that kicked off uh, Got Milk and really played to the point we were just talking about, uh, this idea of, you know, that you, you really uh, you miss milk when you don't have it. Uh, but, but man, you got to love A, this ad was just brilliant. It was great. It was amazingly well-produced. It was cinematic almost. Um but also, like, w- way ahead of the curve on uh, Alexander Hamilton being cool. <laughs> <laughs> Get those royalties, man. Uh, so let's listen to, uh, to Aaron Burr. And that was the Vienna Wood Dance in D, one of my all-time favorites. And now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? All right, let's go to the phones and see who's out there. Hello, for $10,000, who shot... Excuse me? I'm afraid your time is almost up. I'm sorry, maybe next time. Got milk. Yeah, I mean that's 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 still good advertising. It holds up. <laughs> it really does. It really <laughs> so, does. So so that campaign, I feel like it's safe to say, really launches Goodby into this new era. Uh, they talk about in the article that you wrote on, on Adweek about their win that uh, you know that they've never had a mega client. Right. Uh, which is that line like shocked me. I was like, that can't be accurate. But but no, I mean, like they've just they've never had the, y- you know, d- the Coca-Cola or whatever. Now, now, right now they're doing Pepsi. Right. Um, but, you know, Pepsi has been calling itself a challenger brand lately and, and probably, <laughs> you know, to an extent, sure. maybe. Um but no, I mean, I think they really did build their cred on the kinds of accounts that a lot of people would have uh, have really struggled with. Uh, but tell us more about your conversation with them. You know, once obviously we had to ask them about Got Milk, but what else did you guys talk about? I mean, we talked about Sega. They're really proud of that. That's you know the the yelling Sega. Uh, you know, they're really proud of what they've done at Adobe. Uh, and there's there's been some spectacular work that's come out of that over the years, and you know some of it was you know B two B, and that's you know really really hard category. I remember they they used to launch a new ad in the fall, 
and we'd always actually we'd always actually really look forward to it because it was it was so different it was so unique and it was all really smart and very clever um you know and i think humor and clever though those are two things that i think are signatures i think they they mentioned to me that you know they they really don't have a style the agency doesn't have a signature style per se um but in a lot of ways, you see humor, you see a lot of real life stuff. Um, you know, they, they just manage to find ways to make things funny or amusing and just make you stop and, and pay attention to, you know, what, what they're doing. You know, in terms of other work, I, you know, you go down the list and, you know, they've worked with HP. They won a Grand Prix in film, ironically, for Nike in 1998. They've worked with Anheuser-Busch. Uh, the Comcast stuff has been, you know, really, really interesting. And, and that's, I mean, that's a tough category doing cable. That is a very, very tough one. Um, you know, and, and in, in latter days, they've you know been doing some quirkier things with like the Dolly Museum. Um, you know, they're, they're actually working on some things right now that uh, will have a real live using air quotes there, um, Salvador Dolly. Uh, answering questions for people. It's a really interesting project. And we'll talk a little... Yeah, they made uh, one of my favorite uh, VR experiences ever for the Dolly Museum. Yes. Uh, that was uh, featured at Cannes maybe two, three years ago. But um, yeah, I mean, just they brought Salvador Dolly paintings to life and immersed you in it as a VR experience. That's crazy. No, I, I know. It's great. And it's you know something that, that they're very passionate about. We'll talk a little bit more about the culture of the agency in a bit here. But um, yeah, I, I just, I think that, you know, and I'm looking at some of their, I'm looking at their list of Can Lion winners and I, you know, you could go through each of these and you can't really necessarily pull a red thread through and say like, well, that's, that's a good B ad. I can, t- I can tell from a million miles away. Um, I think the one thing that, that does weave through it though is you know it's it's either funny clever or both all right let's take a little break and uh we'll be back in just a minute to continue the discussion thanks again to the sponsor of this week's episode facebook which has a new podcast called three and a half degrees the power of connection as we mentioned earlier each episode of this new podcast features conversations with two of the smartest people in business today Let's listen to a bit of the newest episode's chat on the power of change with the other guests on the show, former GE vice chair and author of the new book, Imagine It Forward, Beth Comstock. The the wisest advice I've ever gotten is from people who've told me to just start, just get started. I think what happens in innovation is you want uh, the perfect plan, the perfect time, the precious idea. It's not you overthink it. Um, and what I've learned uh, in working in big companies and small is you actually just have to start somewhere. Look for Three and a Half Degrees, spelled out, wherever you get your podcasts, or visit facebook.com slash three and a half degrees to learn more and subscribe. That's Three and a Half Degrees, a new podcast from Facebook. Now, of course, like every agency, uh, not everything has gone their way. Um, <laughs> you, you, yeah. know, they, they, you know, they've had rises and falls. They tried to... Uh, Opening a New York office that put out some really interesting work, but ended up having to close down. Uh, they, they, you know, they've had a few other ups and downs over the years. I'd say they're coming out of a bit of a slump um, where there were some questions about their 
uh, you know, their succession plan of how do you follow up uh, Jeff and Rich. And, you know, they, they've ended up with Margaret Johnson. Uh, oh, yeah, she's great. Stellar job so uh, as creative. To, to just took them a while to get there. But uh, let's tell us about, you know, they, they, you asked them about their disappointments. Right. And what did, what did they have to say about that? Well, I, here's the thing about Jeff and Rich. One of the million things I really like about them is that they – they're not afraid to really be honest. And I think that that level of candor is very refreshing. And I did. I asked them what their biggest disappointment or what one of their biggest disappointments was um, for the agency. And I really liked the answer that they gave because it really had a lot of honesty. It also had a lot of heart. And there was also a happy ending. And here's what they said. The first Porsche pitch was, oh I think, God. the first the big disappointment. So, yeah, there's yeah, a good story right. around that because Guy Day was the consultant for the Porsche pitch. And, and we did such a terrible job that after it was over and we lost, he came to me and said, I want to sit down with you guys and tell you what you did wrong. Yeah. And he, and he gave us invaluable information. You know, we didn't, we were so intimidated, we didn't stand up when we pitched to yeah. the Germans. We took our coats off. He said uh, that was a real big mistake. You didn't stand up, you took your coat off. <laughs> Uh, oh, he said, he said you talk over each other. Hey, you we didn't do let, not. We, you didn't let you didn't let the person talking like finish. It seemed like you had no confidence in them. Here's the good, good news. stuff. We won Porsche and eventually later and the it, next and, time, and, and it was quite exciting. But losing, <laughs> you work your brains off uh, out. Right, you, let me start again. Pitching is so much fun and so hard when you lose because you put so much into it. And everyone behind the camera here, they work so hard. And anything could go wrong, or they misunderstand what you're doing, or you don't do the best job explaining what you're yeah. doing. Oh my God. Yeah, and you, you gotta come back to the agency and tell them that, that you've been told that you didn't get the business. That's very hard to do. Yeah. First thing you do is you sit, you put the phone down and you sit there and stare into space for a while thinking about how you're going to tell everybody what just happened. <laughs> I tell you what really feels bad. You pitch and day, day one after the pitch, nothing. Day two, you hear nothing. Day three, you hear nothing. You go, oh, maybe they're still thinking about it. Now they're telling the other agency they got and you're still waiting. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah, so I, I think what's interesting is that, yeah, they, they learned a ton from that lost pitch, but, you know, they ended up getting that business eventually. But it is nice to hear that it, it is tough. And I've talked to other agency owners or, or major executives at agencies, and one of the hardest things in the world is to go back to the team and say that we didn't get the business. So it's really refreshing that they're very honest about that. And, and I think that that's a big piece of the culture there is they have a really interesting culture in that there's a lot of candor, but there's also a lot of forgiveness and there's a lot of openness. And really, honestly, walking around there and, and talking to people at, at you know, GS, GSMP Labs and talking to the musicians and the animators and all of the people that are working on these projects, you, you can tell how proud they are of the work that they're doing, and also the fact that they're getting to do a lot of interesting and varied things that are a lot of fun. And Goodby, over the years, has lost talent, like every agency. I think because of their geography, they lose a lot of talent to the likes of a Google or a Facebook. But what I learned was a number of these people came back, and in part because 
there wasn't much variety. Maybe they felt as though that they were more of a cog in the Google or Facebook machine as opposed to doing things that are more meaningful. So it, they, they have this culture that is very welcoming and very encouraging of experimentation. And they've figured out how to get paid for some, <laughs> some of this stuff as well. As uh, Jeff had mentioned to me, Five years ago, we wouldn't even think of having animators on the staff, but we have figured out a way to get all of this paid for. So it's it's definitely a nice offering that the agency has. Um, and I and I think David, you know, in your experience, what would you say makes Jeff and Rich different than other creative execs that you've encountered over the years? Well, it's it's like I think they their attitude. I guess, uh, persona, I'm not sure the best word for it, but they come across so genuine, mm-hmm. uh, in the, very much in the way that Lee Cloud does. Um, but I would say that the difference between them and Lee Cloud is that they're a little more grounded. You know, Lee's a bit of a, a bit of a hippie at heart, right? <laughs> and, and so like on the drop, there's a, there's a quote unquote Ted talk with Lee Clow, which is just him sitting at a desk and it was some like some TEDx event and they just asked him about something about creativity and he just talks for like 15 minutes without stopping about creative genius and these guys are different like they're just a little more practical a little more um, I, I think not to say lighthearted in the sense that you know he doesn't have fun with it, but it, yeah, they've they've got this sense of humor and this. Their presentations at Cannes have always been great. Oh, so you know, they good. did one was it last year or the year before they did a whole thing of like uh, where it's like the two of them. The promotion was the two of them in a coffin, <laughs> like in coffins, right, and right. the and the the name of the presentation was like. Uh, when will we die or something? You know, it was just this whole thing about succession planning and, and right. like, you know, of, of realizing that you can't just be great at your job and then retire someday and not, not leave any sort of uh, plan for, for how you're going to follow that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and, and to your point, I think storytelling, which is a, a really overused term in right. advertising, but it's a, it's most often used by people who don't know, wouldn't know it when they saw it. You know, they write a five second ad and they're like, that's storytelling yep. for the, for the modern era. <laughs> yeah. 30 second you know, film, 30 second documentary. I, I, I would say like this year in 2019, uh, you know, you, you look at several West coast shops are doing that in earnest, uh, you know, good 72 and sunny. Of course, Wyden's always been great at it, but I think that's still, the kind of the West Coast thing that they've hmm. got going is that they they can tell a story without it feeling overly rushed and and crazy. I think RPA the same thing. Um, you know that to me they they have kind of helped define along with Shia Day. You know they've helped define that West Coast advertising vibe and the storytelling and and really helped drive the creativity. And the thing that I worry about with Goodby is their geography. Is being in San Francisco to your point about losing employees. I mean, also you may just not get them, right? Because like you couldn't, you couldn't convince me to move to San Francisco right now to, to, it's a to take a job. Expensive, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would. I've I went bankrupt there, uh, you know, years at what fifteen years ago trying to live in Northern California, and that was before all you know we got to where we are. So I do worry about the creative industry in that area, um, and what's going to happen as the cost of living just continues. You know, it's like a thousand dollars more a month than to live in downtown London right now, right? And um, so, you know, that's that's my only fear is that they are this kind of creative epicenter in a city that's become more and more driven by tech and massive amounts of money. Uh, so I know that's not that's not the question you asked me, but it's just I have a hard time 
uh, reconciling those two of like the the good be Silverstein spirit and what San Francisco is becoming. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say the same for LA and Portland and Seattle. I mean, it's it, nowhere. It's, it's not cheap to, it's not cheap to live anywhere. I mean, anybody that's thinking, Oh, I'll go to Portland. It, it's not, no, it's, it's not as cheap. So I think it's not just good be that this will, this will affect. I mean, it's, it's definitely going to affect everybody. And, and it's, you're right. I mean, people are getting sucked under, under that tech wave, that tsunami that has driven everything up. I, I, I hear you. I think that they, you know, this is a scrappy agency. I think they'll, they'll find a way to make it work, but I'm sure that that's something that, you know, that, that they're thinking about. And and I know, I mean, I know other agencies on the West coast, they've been thinking about it. It's like, yeah, we want to get this talent out here, but no one's going to pay triple what their, their living expenses in like Kansas city or, or Denver. So Uh, they just got to move, move the agency to Mendocino Oh, wouldn't that move it to Lodi? (laughs) That would be nice, man. Inland Empire, Mendocino, yeah, Mendocino would be would be (laughs) would be really nice. Just Uh, like pick up hey, they established a creative, you know, uh, community back in the the eighties. Why not do it again? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, and and you know, I want to go back to one thing, and and we hadn't really touched on you know the list of some of the winners from the Saint uh, the Can line of Saint Mark. So Haggerty, Wyden, Clow, Pitka, Greenberg. Uh, Marcella Serpa, who's former partner of Almap BBDO, Droga, and then uh, brothers Piotian and Prasoon Pandey from last year. Uh, you know, and, and once again, we have we have two men that uh, have have won the award. One hundred percent male winner roster well, so far. You, you know, you know, kind of where I'm going with this. Um, I mean, that's that's something. I mean, that's a thing that that probably yeah. should change. They've got to. They've got to address it soon. I mean, it's it's can takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of credit and joy in its in its gender balance efforts uh, that they've made in recent years with getting more women not on not just onto juries but into presidencies of juries. Um, but you know they've been ticking off that like not as an angering. They've been going through uh, a lot of the biggest names. Yeah, uh, it makes in, sense. You know, these are all valid. I would say David Droga still strikes me as a little early in his career. It's like when Jackie Chan won a Lifetime Achievement Award in like 1996. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> and a little he, And I remember right. him going on stage and being like, uh, it was like the MTV Music Awards or Movie Awards or whatever. And he just got to be he's like, I, I'm, I have a lot more planned. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm, not, right. I'm, not, I'm not retiring. It was a light um, year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, but I, yeah, I just feel like they've been going through a lot of these kind of obvious names, and then a, a few lesser obvious ones to make sure that the international audiences are represented. Uh, but yeah, we gotta get some women in there, and there's more than plenty uh, at this point. You know, not to I don't know if they're taking nominations, but I mean, I, I certainly think you've got Colleen DeCourcy, you've got Susan Cradle, uh, and you know, just in America alone, you've probably got right a solid nine, ten names, uh, and I would love to see. Uh, women in advertising leadership from countries that I don't know much about, you know, right. from from Western Eastern Europe, from Asia, from South America. Um, but yeah, I that's the gauntlet. I guess I would throw down for Can for next year is is let's let's break the streak. Let's show that right. it hasn't literally been a one hundred percent male industry uh, for the last fifty years. Right. No, and and I think looking at Goodby, I mean Margaret Johnson's been there for twenty three years, and 
I mean, she's she's phenomenal, and I think that you know, going back to keeping the culture of the place intact and and keeping it moving forward, you know, that's that's one hell of a great succession plan, especially her being chief creative officer. So I think that's that's an important move for them yeah, I mean, for the future. I we've talked about this, like, but I. I don't think Goodby's ever done better work than they're doing right now. Like they've done mm. maybe more famous work. Right. But it's so good and so consistent right now. Like when yep. like two years ago, if you had told me, hey, a new ad from Goodby, I would be like, eh, all right. I mean, I'll check it out. It sounds good. Now right. I'm like, I get earnestly excited. I'm like, cool, what do they do? I didn't necessarily love their Super Bowl work. Um, it felt a little little kind of punched in. I think there were there were mixed opinions of the uh the Pepsi ad, um, but but you know, and Doritos was was fine. Bubbly was fine, but like that's that was my only real disappointment with them in a while is that I was excited to see them have such a presence in the Super Bowl. Felt they could have pushed uh, Pepsi a little more aggressively, creatively, yeah. Um, especially after last year, just just flooring us with that Doritos Mountain Dew ad. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. To Margaret's credit, I I think their their creative has never been more consistent. Uh, and more, you know, really stellar uh, on an ongoing level. And that says everything about the CCO. And so it's it's a good, I mean, that's got to be a good feeling for Jeff and Rich to know that there is finally a succession plan. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, we're just talking creative. I'm sure they have plans for, oh, for the, the yeah. business side and for everything else. Too, yeah. But. And what, what's cool is that we had written about Talk Shop. So um, this, this is driven from their diversity and inclusion initiative. And it's, you know, we, you and I have seen a million of these shows, and this one was really interesting. It was, it was really compelling. So there were a few episodes for Black History Month, and it's a really well-done show, uh, really discussing issues in a way that it's – you just get – going back to the storytelling thing, you just get sucked into it. I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. You just – you're locked in on this conversation. It's, it, it's not too long. It's not too short. It's just like the perfect length. And they're talking about things that really honestly make people stop and go, huh, I hadn't thought of it that way, or that's interesting. I'm going to have to you know, think more about it. So that's part of the culture that I know, you know Margaret is really high on and both Jeff and Rich are as well. So you know, it, it, it is interesting. It feels like that this agency – and Margaret mentioned this too, that the agency likes to reinvent itself every five to ten years. It feels like that they're in one of those reinvention modes right now. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years. Well, Doug Zanger, senior editor uh, on the Agencies and Creativity Beat here at Adweek, thank you so much for sharing your interview uh, with Jeff and Rich. And uh, definitely encourage everybody to check out more of your coverage on adweek.com. They can just look around for Goodby Silverstein. And congratulations to Jeff and Rich. That's uh, quite an honor to get the Lion of St. Mark. Very few have. And uh, congrats to them. Amen. And thanks for letting me go down to San Francisco for the day. It was a lot of fun. You bet. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, And uh, if you have not already left us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner. We'll be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone. 
from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.